This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to episode number 75. 75. 75. Three quarters of a hundred. That's what I was going to say. Oh. Except I was going to say century. Oh. Well, I was going to say century too, but that that's a period of time. Yeah. A measurement of time. Passage of time. Yeah. yeah. And we don't have this. Or a realtor. Yeah. Yeah. Century right. 21. Century 21. Yeah. But this is not a passage of time. This is just, this is numerically. It feels like time has passed. 75-ish weeks. Yeah. We've missed a couple weeks due to vacations or illness or whatnot. Yeah. So, I mean, it's maybe 80-ish weeks. Wow. Where's all the time gone? I don't know. Behind us. There you go. It's the only place you can go. (laughs) Uh, So welcome to the show where we talk about uh, movies and TVs and stuff we watch this week. But if you're listening, you probably know that. Yeah. Yeah, unless you literally just picked up the podcast and you were like, you, you thought you were getting something else. Like, you know, what did you eat this week? And you're like, this is not what I wanted. Because they're not talking about food. That's right. We could probably. Yeah. I had a nice uh, BLT. Uh, sorry, MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato. <laughs> nice. Or and, bacon, uh, lettuce, potato. Bacon, lettuce, you're, potato. one of the golden girls. Nice, yep. nice. Yep. Uh, anyhow, so, uh, John. Yes, Mike. A burning question on everyone's hearts and minds and, and this week is syphilis. Uh, syphilis. What did you watch this week? You know, I didn't watch a lot, but I've got notes on some quality stuff, like like one movie that I watched and uh, the episode of Adam Ruins Everything that I was really excited for because it's Emily Ruins Adam. Yeah. So I've got notes on that. But other than that, it was it was the standard fare. I watched a, a few shows. Yep. I got some news about shows. I actually watched more movies than I thought. One I'm going to talk about this week that I finished a couple weeks ago I forgot to talk about, or a week ago, whatever it was. And... Cool. So we got stuff. Yeah, we got stuff. I got a couple of trailers. We're, we're very close to um, the fall season coming back. We are indeed. In fact, that's one of the first things that I wanted to ask you about. Because sure. I've got that in my notes. Okay. We're recording this Tuesday night. Right. Tonight, this this, this night here, yeah. at 10 p.m., American Horror Story Cult premiered. Oh, I will follow that up with, did it really? <laughs> I, I kept seeing the commercials all week, and I was like, I'm going to have to ask Mike, will he be watching this season? You know, I don't know. Okay. Because I, I know that I, you were consistently a fan, but kind of like a dwindling until yeah. we reached Roanoke. And then it started off strong for you. You really liked it. And then you really started not liking it. And then you kind of, like, by the end, you felt like you were despising it a bit. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to watch Cult because it, it's, I know it's, I think because the preliminary discussions was it's all about the uh, election. And clowns for some reason. Yeah. And I can't emphasize enough how much I hate politics yeah. and politicians. Yeah. Especially right now yeah. in America. I can't stand it. I just, I have never been able to. Uh, 
it doesn't work well with me. Nope. And I work in state government. Yeah. Technically, as an emergency medical dispatcher. Yeah. I work for the state of Maine. I should get a job like that. I think you did. Oh, yeah. Back in June. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, um, unfortunately, I have that? three months today. Three months today, yes, because yeah. it's now technically Wednesday. That's right. 12, 12, 12 30 in the morning. That's right. So, you don't know if you're going to blood draw. Ah. So, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I look forward to finding out if you decide to stick with that or if you say, boy, I'm really bored. Hey, maybe I'll check out the first episode. Um, hey, uh, off note, yes. uh, you know what I did the other day? You don't know. That's why I'm saying you know what I did the other day. Uh, I was I needed to get pumped up and jacked up just to walk into work. I've had days like that. Because of some of the people that were in there. I agree. And uh, I knew they were only going to be there for a few minutes before they left because their shift was over. Yep. So I, I to get pumped up and jacked up to go in there. I listened to the Doctor Who theme on repeat three times. Wait, was that a night that I was working? Yes, but you weren't one of the reasons okay. I was looking forward to <laughs> like, leave. Wait a minute. Because if you remember, I came in all happy. Yeah. Talking to Doctor Who-ish. Yeah. 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 So, so which version of the theme did you go with? I actually went with the most recent season. Okay. The yeah. Peter Capaldi season? Yeah. I, 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 I approve of any of them, but each one of them has their own thing. You know, Matt Smith's was more adventurous. David Tennant's later years was the electric guitar, which I really mm. – um, There's a, the 80s keys for me. There's a YouTube clip of someone where they've basically taken every single one and put them together. Thanks. From the first – from the from, I don't know if they've done the most recent, but I, they must have done it maybe a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. But from the very first Doctor Who theme all the way to this, and they have kind of like their own wormhole going. Nice. And they put up on the screen like when the new one starts. But you can tell because it starts over. Right. Pretty badass. That, and the theme, and when you hear the progression of it, it has changed a little bit with every doctor, mm -hmm. but it's kind of gotten better and better. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just. Oh, I like you it. Get jacked up. So then I end up coming home after the next morning and I had to watch a uh, pilot. I watched the pilot episode again. Rose? Uh, no, no, no. Um, the oh, most recent the, season, the, the pilot. pilot. The I know, it's pilot. a weird title because yep. when you say pilot, you think it's the yeah. you know premiere episode yep. or test drive episode. Uh, yeah, the first time we meet uh, um, Bill, Bill, God, I don't want to say Joe for some reason, <laughs> you know, because you take the good, you take the bad. Take them both and there you have. You know, the facts of life. <laughs> so, uh, sadly, Hooten and the Lady has been canceled. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, it got canceled by Sky One in August. Uh, there's still a chance maybe Netflix will pick it up yeah. or CW might if they had good ratings. Right. But uh, it was a really great, fun show. Yeah. And I've just decided that. If do stuff, I do find this on DVD. I'm going to pick it up because yeah. this is a show I would rewatch in a few years, type of thing. And if it's been canceled this quickly, there's a chance that it won't show up on like Netflix or something, right? So, so there's one more episode left to air. Yeah, uh, are they going to air it? Well, see, it was canceled by Sky One. It's not going to stop CW. Oh, that's you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's not like CW canceled it. Sky right. One did. Actually, they canceled a couple weeks back, and they've still been airing the episodes. Oh, okay, yeah. so. Um, but anyways, this week's episode: Alex and Hooten attempt to track down a priceless jewel. Uh, what was it? Uh, I don't know what the what it was. I don't remember what it was. I just remember was, I really liked the episode. It was like four objects that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They when they put them together, it, you know, somehow revealed a map using the stars and yeah. whatnot, and they end up finding this precious jewel uh, in Cambodia. But the main story is this: the bad guy that was hinted at in the last episode that was two weeks ago. Exactly. But what was it like nine months or nine weeks? And a lot of time show. had passed in between from, yeah, yeah that I can't remember if it said nine months episodes. or nine weeks. It was a good, I think it was nine weeks. It must've been nine weeks. Yeah. yeah. The wedding. Yeah. A good chunk of time passed in between where Hooten is basically ignoring Alex, yep. but yet 
using her contacts at the museum. Somewhere. Yeah. But anyways, um, but the guy that basically, that basically the guy that killed Putin's wife and son, uh, who was apparently Putin's wife's ex-husband. Yeah. Cause like Putin ran off with, they ran off together wife. and then he impregnated her and they had a kid together and then he found them and killed them both. Yeah. Um, th- this is the main bad guy that's been kind of, that was hunting them down with the, um, Fabergé egg episode and kind of hinted at, in other episodes. Yep. He, he had the whole Dr. Claw vibe going on last episode. Exactly, yeah. Just and see this, his arm from the back. And, yeah, and then this episode, we get to see him. And I didn't recognize him. I didn't recognize him for anything either. I, I expected, like, some... Some sort of, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, like, some sort of... of that like, guy. Right, like Jane Seymour's her mother, so mm. maybe some sort of recognition there. Yeah. But, uh... Nope. He's, he gets killed at the end. Yeah. Yeah, in a also, really gross way. Into a pit of snakes. Yes. Of vipers. So you don't know if he died from the fall or if it was the bites of the snakes afterwards? But he's dead. Yep. And what's great is almost like the season finale of life after he killed <laughs> Garrett Dillahunt's Russian mob character. Uh-huh. And then says to everyone in the car, oh, he's dead now. He can't hold anything over you anymore. And they let him go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this guy's bodyguards are like, oh, screw it. And they yep. walk off. Yep. Basically, he's not here to pay you yeah. anymore, so they're like, meh, And bye. for the first time, kind of second time, they actually retain the treasure they find and yeah. get it to the museum. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, it belongs in a museum. That was different. It was. the first, like, five episodes, that didn't happen. They just yeah. failed every time. But don't forget, too, with this one, we kind of had the little... Cat just attacked my leg. Okay. <laughs> the little um, side story, if you will, where... Hooten doesn't know that Alex uh, fished the egg out of the lake. Correct. But at the end of the episode, she does hint at, oh, let me buy you a beer. I have something to tell you. Yeah, because he's like, oh, now that this guy's gone, we can go fish it out. But she's already sent it back to the museum. They're looking it over. And she bought her way back into her boss's good graces with it. Exactly. And we see her husband in this episode. Yep. Or fiance. Yep. And he's just like, hey, honey, have fun now. You have know, fun storming the, the castle. castle. Yeah, basically. But, you know, have fun going on crazy adventures with this man that's your friend. Uh, he seems completely okay with it. Like, yep. I don't know. Good good for him, but, yeah, whatever. Yep. Great episode, though. Oh, fun it was. show. It yeah. is a fun Sad show. there's only one more episode potentially left. Yep. But who knows? And this Netflix might pick it up. Who knows? CW <laughs> might pick it up. Yep. Hulu might pick it up. Hulu's Hulu. been doing that. Yep. I'd like to see someone pick it up. I would, too. In other canceled news, Martin tipped us off last week that Dark Matter has been canceled by Sci-Fi. Not sad. Not after this season. Nope. And if I would recommend to anyone who hasn't watched it yet or they've held off maybe because of our critique, I'd say go watch the Time Loop episode. You owe yourself that one. Yes. Yep. Because the Time Loop episode was excellent. It was. Yeah. It really was. But otherwise, you could skip it. Go with the first season, maybe the second season. First season was great. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yep. On a similar note, and I told you this earlier, um, Sci-Fi decided to renew Killjoys for two more seasons, and yeah. that's it. They've said that after those two seasons, it's done. So they're giving them a five-season run. Yep. And this week was the Killjoys season finale, and I gotta say, this was one of the best finales I have seen in a long time. Nice. This was an epic space opera. This nice. was good guys versus bad guys. Like it, it was phenomenal. This was so good. And they did it so that it could have been a series finale. And you would have been like, I'm okay with this. Nice. I like that. It was so good. This show, my 
my recommendation for it keeps getting stronger with every episode. After this finale, I am telling everybody, go out, watch Killjoys. Three seasons right now. There's going to be two more seasons, ten episodes each. Well, and you have plenty of time to get caught up in all three seasons between now and next year when the new season Exactly. Comes out. Plenty of time. It is so much fun. The humor in it is just great. The, the brothers, the Jacoby brothers, do these little zinger one-liners that are very similar to, like, um, if you've ever seen Role Models with Paul Rudd and Sean yeah. William Scott. Same kind of thing. You know, just these zippy little one-liners. Um, you know, at one point, they find out that one of the brothers has a child with this woman, you know, she's impregnated with his seed, but he never had sex with her. It was just, they stole his genetic material. Okay. And so like, he, he's just joking about it. You know, he'd be like, have you thought about names yet? What about this? Is it going to be a male or a female? You know? And it just, it's great the way that they do it. I can't recommend this show enough. It's awesome. Even the ship has its own personality and she will joke with and flirt with one of the Jacoby brothers because they like have a thing going on. So it's almost like um, Bo and the General Lee, except for much cooler. Cool. So, yeah. Nice. Yep. Um, did you watch Preacher? I did. I did not. Okay. Just talk about it. I don't yeah. care at this point. At least half the episode was what's going on in hell, and I still don't care. Yep. Um, they're, they're interrogating everybody to find out which one of them doesn't belong in hell. And we all know it's Eugene. Yeah. But, you know, in the middle of that, Hitler convinces everybody to, like, distract the guards so that he can go and jump in the pit with Eugene because he knows of a back door out of hell. We got to see Hitler's worst day ever. I don't care. Um, Tulip is mad at Jesse because she found the weapons. Yeah, um, the killer's guns. So he comes clean with her, and they pulled the truck up out of the swamp. But, uh-oh, it's empty, and there was water in it. But that thing was vacuum sealed. So it turns out that the Grail organization there saw what he did and swapped out the trucks to drive him nuts, I guess. So they so they have the truck with the Saint of Killers. Tulip and her new best friend take the weapons to a smelting shop mm-hmm. and tell the guy to melt them down. And he's like, I can't do it if they got bullets in the chamber. And Tulip can't open the chamber to get the bullets out. She can't fire the gun because only the Saint of Killers can do it. So... They're like, just melt it down. He's like, no, I'm not going to. And the girl's like, the Tulip's friend there, you know, the neighbor, yeah. fake neighbor lady. Yeah. She's like, how about if I give you oral sex? And he's like, what? She's like, how about if I give you oral sex? I'll come behind there and I will put my mouth on your penis and, and you will melt this down for us. And he's like, oh, and she goes, or I could just tell the cops that you told me to do that and said that you wouldn't do it unless I did that. And then I've got a witness here. that. So it was, it was very bad, but exactly. Did, did she? Give him oral sex? No, oh. no. They basically blackmailed him, and because like her character has done, yeah, you know. Been, yeah. But they basically uh, they got called back in because he put the gun, one of the guns, into the magma, the five thousand degree uh, melting pot, and it came out perfectly fine, unscathed and cold to the touch, like it was still covered in magma. And dropped it in their hands. So they decided that the best way to handle that was to wrap both pistols and the sword in packing paper, put a bunch of stamps on them, and mail them. So they jammed them into a mailbox. And they they jammed the sword down so hard that it punched through the bottom of the mailbox. Mailed it where? I don't even remember. I want to say like Las Vegas or something. All right, moving on. Yep. Blood Drive. Blood Drive. Second to the last episode. Yeah, this one is um, 
Well, okay, this one kind of annoyed me, I'll be honest. The Faces of Blood Drive. Faces of Blood Drive. Uh, the backstory of how um, Karma became the old man. Yep. How Karma escaped, faked her own death. Yep. Uh, got uh, hooked up with the Heart Foundation. <laughs> Heart Corporation. <laughs> Heart Foundation's a wrestling dinner team. <laughs> um, I got hooked up with the Heart Corporation, and then how she became the old man. How she got the costume on, if you will. That was an interesting part. I actually enjoyed that story. Yep. That was cool. Because it was showed like a, an old documentary thing, and they actually yeah. had like interns that were documenting exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. She stabbed one of them a lot. Um, okay, so that was that was pretty interesting. Yep. Um, Christopher showed up at this slink through this giant party for the Primo. Yep. And we find out basically that every Primo is murdered. Yep. By Slink. In the Ar- court, Arthur in the has done a complete 180 and turned into a friggin' douchebag. Arthur is a tremendous douchebag who is just completely self-centered and narcissistic and 100% that he's the primo, he's the greatest of all time. Grace is just whatever, some chick. And he's just kind of a doucher. Yeah, like a real... Like, yeah. Like, and how then, did he become this way? Yeah, it was, it exactly. Was over the top. It was really over the top. And then when... At first I thought he was just pretending... To go along with it, to try and get hard or slink or yeah. this. Or, and then, no, he was just being a jackass. And then Christopher shows up, and he's, well, he's basically Arthur's best friend, and then all of a sudden does a show signs of being deceptive because yeah. he's a robot version that Karma made to go screw with Grace. Yep. Yeah, find so, him at the end. So he seems perfectly fine, and then he records yep. Grace saying stuff and then edits it yeah. in, like, the third grade version of editing. You, you yeah, can see to it. make Arthur think that Grace wants to be primo and wants him dead. Yeah. Um, and then Grace just basically is trying to save Arthur and make him realize and being standing by her man until the end. And then ultimately, Arthur kills Chris not knowing that he's a robot. Right. Just because to protect Grace. Yep. And then him and Grace and then Slink because Slink's show's been canceled and... We find out that he is like an Aki unit, I guess, because Arthur cuts his head off and stabs him a hundred thousand times. Yeah. And then there's a truck that just has rows of slinks. That's Hanging why, on meat hooks. Yeah, which is why he doesn't have a penis. Yeah. And the one in the back row, because that makes sense, wakes up. Yeah. And then comes out and we see Slink again. But, but let's not gloss over the fact that that new Slink came out in a new outfit. Yeah. Took the body, the decapitated body of his former self. Yeah. Propped it up on his motorized scooter and then rode around on that body. That's true. Time. Yeah, that, that was just that was classy. Funny. Yeah, <laughs> that was quite funny. <laughs> but ultimately, at the end, um, we find out because the soul re- reclamator is there. Yes, and that's how he's going to kill Arthur. He's going to put him through that, and he reveals to Grace. Uh, well, don't worry. If he doesn't have a soul, there's nothing to reclamate. He'll just come right through on the other side, just fine. Yep. And that's how we find out where karma came right through on the other side and was fine because the green ooze is your soul. And if you don't have one, then you go right through. Yep. So she doesn't have a soul. Yep. So we're going into the last episode now. And we have Grace, Arthur, and Slink heading out to go find and kill karma. And then at the end of the episode, karma shows up and shows Chris the video of of Arthur killing him. And so he is now, I guess... Because uh, Chris and his Aki unit are tucked away. And, yeah, in like some back room cell that only she knows karma knows about yeah so now chris is gonna have all his functions activated and give me all the upgrades go after arthur because apparently that's all he needed to see was a video of arthur killing a robot version of himself yeah to, yeah you know like 
want to know. Totally out of context. Yeah, so that's this is the, this is going to sound like a weird thing. The, these this whole Christopher storyline here at the end uh, is the quick thinking turn around and Saber Arthur's is the weakest storytelling we've seen in this show. It is, and this show makes you suspend disbelief like crazy, and you're okay <laughs> with it. Uh-huh. And this is the first time I've been like, yeah. weak sauce writers, weak sauce. Yeah, they they told us that the soul reclamator's whole purpose is to suck souls because. It's a much, 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 much more efficient fuel than blood. Than blood is, yeah. But so. yeah, it was it was pretty weak sauce. I want to know what they're going to do with the last episode. Because yeah, the last is, episode it's called "Crossing the Finish Line." Yeah, but the race has been over. It's Grace, Arthur, and Slink are going to wage war on Heart, try yeah. to take them down. I want to know, which is essentially if, waging war against Karma and Christopher. Yes. And then probably the Aki unit because she'll stand by Chris. Yep. I want to know if they're going to set it up so that it is finished or if they're going to set it up for like the next season, if there is a second season. That'd be interesting because I don't know how you'd have a second season of the show when the basis is of of race. I would love to see a second season, but have it be like maybe one of the European blood drives, you know, yeah. remember, cause there were lots of right. other blood drives going on out there. Have it be different characters, different place. Have a slink in there. If you have want a prequel blood drive. Yeah. Something. Yep. I'd love to see this story continue though yep. with people that we don't care about as much. Just watch up murderous mayhem. Right. You know, we, we never knew Grace and Arthur in the beginning yep. and we came to love them. So yep. Yep. just some murderous mayhem. Yep. I love to see you get completely attached to one of the main characters. Have him die. Two episodes left. <laughs> you know, something like that. Something Game of Thrones. I was going to say Game of Thrones, which apparently all the rumors looking at that's not coming out till 2019 folks. <laughs> yeah. Outstanding. They're pulling a Sherlock. Yeah, exactly. I did not watch Midnight Texas. I'm probably not going to. Uh, Jeremy at work, not Jeremy, our friend, but Jeremy at work was, uh, telling me that he really likes that and, and that he's been really getting into it. I just, I, more reason to not watch it. I, <laughs> I figured you'd see it that way. I canceled my subscription to it cause yeah. every week it was causing a conflict and it was such a minor conflict. It was like American dad, but I was like, I like American dad better. So, uh, the only other show I have to talk about this week is the guest book. Same here. And I got to say, my favorite episode so far. Oh, my God, right? I loved Michael Rappaport's character, Adam. Yes. It was awesome. He's a guy, I wouldn't say OCD, but he has a compulsion to count everything. And yes. things have to be counted out or separated or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the long and the short of it is he rented the, the froggy cabin because he wanted a, he liked a girl. And he was afraid to ask her out. So he instead made up this party and invited her up there for a surprise party. And only she was the only one invited. Only after he dared himself. Yes. He said if she ever wears, what was it, like the blue sweater the with the gray sweater. pants. Yeah, something like that. And then it only took 18 months for it to happen, but she yeah. did it. Yeah. So now he threw this party, invited her, and he made up a bunch of other weird emails and this and that to make it look like he invited a bunch of people when, in mm-hmm. fact, he's only inviting her. Yep. And then she Played showed, by Kate McCucci, by the way. Oh, yeah, Kate McCucci, who's great. Yep. And then she showed up with, like, a, a, a guest. Yes. Not a date, but by a, the end a of friend. it, it became a date. Yes. And so he then recruits all the locals to come to this party of his. <laughs> Which was awesome. Yeah. It turned out great. It really did. And just Michael Rappaport's, I don't know, I, I could watch this episode again and again. Some of the cadence oh, yeah. of his voice, how <laughs> likable his character was. Yep. I mean, and just everything. And then, like, you know, 
Uh, you have the police officer who really likes Karen Dillahunt's character, and so like there's an interaction there where he gets pulled over by her, and he's like, "Hey, I'm having a party. I think that my that my neighbor next door, the doctor, he's going to come to it." She's like, "Okay, I'll be there." Yeah, slow down. Still gives him the ticket. Yeah, and then later on, when he takes has peanuts and he needs like a shot. And Garrett Dillon goes to the hospital to get some epinephrine. And he's like, you take me someplace in your car with the siren really fast. Yes, I can. And if you need to hold on on the sharp corners, <laughs> you can hold on to my thigh or something yep. like that. I mean, it's just hilarious. It's a great role for Garrett Dillon, too, because at first we were just seeing him yep. as like the, you know, down on his luck dad who yep. can't catch a break. But we're also seeing him as the doctor, you yes. know, the wise doctor, which like outside of his character in Burn Notice, he's yeah. never really played a smart character. No, he hasn't. I really like how we're seeing all these Raising Hope characters on the get, you know, actors and actresses on the show. Next week's episode has Shannon Woodward on it. Oh, that looks good. And it looks great. She's like coming down off meth. And- yeah, something <laughs> like that. And uh, it just looks great. And, yep. and again, there's other things that happen in this episode. Just go watch it. Yeah. If you watch, you can go on the TBS app. I mean, I download it on my phone for crying out loud. I watch it on there because it's yeah. faster than my Roku. For it's on Hulu as well. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, so it's on Hulu. Yeah. It's 22 minutes of fun. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And the fact that they all tie into each other. Yes. Even like you said last week, the the two guys in the beginning who are in the office, and it's like one of them is selling the other one. You know, yes. it's like, oh, man, you got to check out the show. Here's what's happened. Exactly. I love it. Is there any, oh, this week's opening thing is, is there any nudity? Partial. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was like, huh. But yeah, it's good. And I noticed um, uh, they've renumbered the episodes. Mm-hmm. And so like previously, what was episode five, story six is now episode five, story five. Yep. So they've renamed and renumbered the episodes. I'm wondering where that one went and, and if it's coming back. Are they going to attack it on the end? Did something happen politically and they have to get rid of it? I've Googled it a number of yeah. times when I thought about it and I've never come up with anything. Because they did tack on the Michael Rapp. Now that I think about it, the Michael Rappaport character was introduced at the end of the previous episode. Yep. He was. like We couldn't remember previously, but he was. Yep. So, yeah, so that's it for me for shows. I got to one, two, three, four, five, oh, five movies to talk about. Holy God. Well, I've got one movie and one show. And I have six movies to talk about. Holy crap. And I got a couple of trailers and one more news item. Oh, you're definitely beating me this week. Yeah, but most of the movies were older and they or they just sucked. So it won't take that long. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to run down through Emily Ruins Adam. Go. Because this was great. Uh, it started off with the whole IQ test because he was sitting around a uh, Mindsa group. Not Mensa, but Mindsa, you know, their version. And... Uh, they were talking about how IQ tests were originally developed in France, um, and they were developed to see if children were ready for kindergarten. Now, weren't they developed like in the 1890s yeah. or something like that? Yeah. I was listening to a podcast today talking about education, and the lady was saying that public school educations are still based on a formula created in the 1890s. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Yep. Not, and that's funny. This was just specifically to check in France for these children. And then this American scientist was like, I'm going to apply this to everybody. And the guys in France were like, no, you can't do that. A lot of IQ tests apparently are biased. They're put together by people who have a lot of knowledge in certain areas. Like there are IQ tests out there that will ask you, what are the different parts of a regatta? I I don't know. So you would be considered dumb because you don't know. It's uh, it's like sides, boats, Water and buoys or something like it's something stupid like that. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I yeah. So, but they test you on things that they want to test you on. Yeah. And, uh, 
So basically, it's uh, yeah. The two most popular measure very different things can often give different results. They're also used by racists to discriminate against minorities. Yeah, it makes sense because the first guy that set it up it said he was very racist and also a member of the Ohio Committee uh, Committee on the Sterilization of the Feeble-Minded. This allowed the governments to use low IQ scores as an excuse to sterilize people. This was in the 20th century, and uh, over 60,000 people in 32 states were sterilized. How does this ruin Adam? Uh, Because he thought that he was really smart, and he was bragging about how he's a genius. And she's like, you're a genius by an IQ test standard that is ridiculous. Okay, it makes sense. Um, Fun fact as well, they didn't really mention this in the show, probably because it's a little controversial, but this whole using this stuff to sterilize people who were low IQ'd, they don't like to talk about this a lot, but that's kind of where the Germans got the idea. Oh. Yeah. So the, the Germans... The got, genocide of the Jewish. Yes. Oh, okay. the, the Germans adopted that idea from American practices. Really not cool stuff. First time I've heard of that one. Yeah. Um, okay, so then she started going over stuff that they've gotten wrong in his shows. So in one of the episodes about forensic science, he said that the only infallible thing is DNA. And they were like, actually, DNA can be very fallible. They talked about one case where, oh, hold on, what was it? Um, okay, German police were stumped when DNA showed up at 40 different crime scenes. Same DNA showed up at 40 different crime scenes. They figured that they had like a ghost killer or yeah. something like that. Turns out it was the cotton swabs they were using had DNA from one of the workers in the factory that was packaging the cotton swabs. Oh. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if like they were licking it or just brushing their hand against it. So there it's contaminated. All of these cotton swabs coming off the assembly line have the DNA of this one person on there. So then they're doing swabs at the crime scene. <laughs> and the DNA is coming back at the person that, oh, that yeah. is awesome. Isn't that awesome? It is. Um, what else did they say? Uh, okay. Air marshals. Air marshals protect us from terrorists. Okay. Between 2001 and 2008, air marshals did not make a single arrest related to terrorism. That's a seven-year period, not a single arrest, okay? Um, It says when they do arrest people, they're either drunk people or celebrities who refuse to get off their phones. Yeah. Um, And yet we paid $800 million to air marshals in 2014 alone, okay? That was four arrests per year. This averages out to about $200 million per arrest. So air marshals... But they protect us. No, they don't. <laughs> Again, it's the idea. Really, yep. It, it is. It's the idea of... It's the idea. So then Adam was like, but the reason that I have this show is to teach people stuff and to, to help them understand things that they don't understand and to change their minds. Actually, this, this is the part that I love the most. It's a psychological thing called the backfire effect. When you present facts and solid arguments to disprove a false idea, and in fact, all you manage to do is strengthen that idea even more. So you tell somebody, hey, you're wrong about this. And instead, they dig their heels in even more. And it's not that sometimes it's just that they're arrogant, but a lot of times the brain actually, you're attacking their identity. Yeah. When you tell someone that they're wrong or you tell someone that they did a bad job, it registers in the same part of your brain as actual physical pain. So if you punch somebody in the gut about it, when you tell something they don't want to hear, they wince. Yeah. Yeah. And it causes them physical pain. Yeah. So you're getting the same thing as somebody coming up and punching you in the gut as when you say, you're wrong. You screwed up. You fucked up. 
it's like, wow, that really hurts. So people get the same fight or flight reaction in their brain triggering. So they either have to fight for their thing or they just cower and they cry and they, they get upset and they run away. I totally believe that. Yeah. It, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but you get some of these people and we see it more and more these days where yeah. people believe something very strongly. They're like, oh, I believe this. I believe. You see it in the political landscape all the time. You present them with facts and you say, no, these are what the facts say. One way or the other, I'm not even going to pick sides here. And they dig their heels in because they don't want to be wrong because it hurts and it attacks their identity. You're actually attacking who they are. Even if you're not, even if you're not saying you're a bad person, you're just saying what you believe is wrong. It's still an attack on identity to your brain. And so the brain perceives it as you are attacking me. I need to do something about it. And your primitive fight or flight reactions kick in. So she's like, you're actually not doing good by teaching people and educating them. You're actually reinforcing wrong beliefs in many cases and trying to appear like you're better than everybody else when you're not. Adam has a superiority complex. He does. He does. But a lot of us do because I know I've done it before. I know you've done it before where, you know, we educate people. Right. On things that they're wrong at. We were just talking about a few of them tonight where you're like, actually. When I met my wife, uh, my now wife, we were boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, like she would say, like, I wonder why this and I would go, oh, because X, Y, Z. And she'd be like, wow. And then after, after a few times, like, you just know everything. And I'm like, I know a lot of stuff. Like, And then it gets to the point where it was annoying. Mm-hmm. It annoyed her. Yep. Because she's like, and so like now she'll say like, oh, I wonder why this. And I'll go, do you want an answer? Or are you just asking rhetorically? <laughs> and depending on something, she'll go like, just rhetorically. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And then sometimes she's like, no, I'd like an answer. Okay, well, I, I think it has a lot to do with this. Yeah. Or like, because like, I'm not, I'm not saying you and I are geniuses, but you and I both have the ability for rational deduction. Yes. So like when someone... And we like to like, educate ourselves and do research. Exactly. Like I sit and read Wikipedia for fun. I know it's not 100% accurate, but it's pretty good. Yeah. I, you know, I sit and read books for fun, but I, you know, like I'll be sitting there being like, huh... Like something stupid, like, I wonder when the Big Mac came out. Because John has a McDonald's bag here. Yep. And I'll go online and look it up. And then for whatever reason, it sticks in there. It's just useless information. Yep. We have a a reason of, like, deductive reason, like, we know about this. And so it kind of makes sense that they might do this this way because of this. Yep. We're not saying we're right, but this seems logical to me. Yep. And sometimes that annoys people. It's funny you bring up logic. Yeah. In humans, logic is slower than emotion. Yeah. So when you react to something, so when somebody proves that you're wrong and you get those reactions, your emotions kick in and flood through your brain faster than your actual logical thought. Yeah. So most people will react to those emotions. Yes. Anger, frustration, sadness, yep. instead of letting it pass and saying, okay, now let me think about this logically. They, they let the emotions take over because it's physically proven that it is a faster chemical reaction than actual logical thought. I know several people that will react mm-hmm. and overreact in a negative way. And then once they've had time to think about it, come back and be like, okay, well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. We should probably do it this way. It does make more sense. I know quite a few people like that. Yep. So I really like that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, the last thing that was particularly interesting as well, um, and this makes sense, people actually like you more when they see you screw up. 
makes it, you human. Yeah. It's called yeah. the pratfall effect. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. It's also nobody wants to be around a know-it-all. Nobody wants to be around the guy who's never messing up. You've seen it in TV. You've seen it in movies. You've seen everything where, like, the person who doesn't really have any friends, they're kind of a know-it-all. They get proven wrong or shut down or humiliated or whatever, and it, you know, it humanizes them in front of other people. And like, ah, don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. It's like, see, you know, you make more friends when you do wrong than when you do right sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Think about Leonard versus Sheldon. Yep. You oh, know? Makes perfect sense. Um, and the other part of that was um, admitting your mistakes builds trust with people. It's not just that they see you as a good person. They actually trust you more if you're willing to say, wow, I really screwed that up. You know what? I agree with that a million percent. Absolutely. I can't stand when people screw up and don't own up to their mistakes. I yep. tell that to my son all the time. Don't don't tell white lies. Don't tell any lies. Right. If you get caught doing something wrong, just own up to it. I guarantee you I'm not going to – I'm going to get a 99% less mad at you when you just own up to it right away than when you blatantly lie to my face. Absolutely. Yeah. If I have to find out an hour down the road, a yeah. day, a week down the road – I'm going to respect it you less. infuriates me. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes for peers as well or yeah, bosses and, or anything yeah, like that. And sometimes it is hard to admit when you've made a mistake. <laughs> but pull it off like a Band-Aid. Own up to it and get it over with. It also goes back to our logical thinking. You know, and this is going to sound really weird, but bear with me here. I've seen enough sitcoms in my day. I've seen enough uh, rom-coms or comedy movies or whatever to know that when you lie about shit, yeah. it always comes back on you. It does. People always find out. Yep. You always get in trouble. Yep. You lose the girl. Yep. Maybe you get her back in the third act. Maybe, maybe you don't. if you come clean, sometimes you get her back. Sometimes you don't. That's right. So just be honest. Be like, wow, I really stuck my dick in that one. Sorry. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and let them be mad at you. But you know what? Then they're going to come back and be like, hey, you know what? I know that I can trust you on this. Yeah. I appreciate you being completely honest about that. Well, yep. That's what we're here for. That's right. So, yeah, it was a good episode. Um, I think the season's done now because they didn't have a next time on. Yep. And that seems like the kind of thing that you would end a season on. It does, know? Adam. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Cool. But but she kept, like, ruining his stuff and saying, there's some things that I didn't even talk about here. But she'd be like, and in this episode you said this, and then in this episode. And he was like, wow, thanks. And she's like, why aren't you getting upset? You're supposed to get upset when people ruin things. And he's like, this is how I learn. Yeah. You know, we learn from our mistakes, and, and I'd rather have you give me – accurate information like in one episode he actually said that the empire state building was twelve thousand feet tall he's like yep i'm sorry about that he's like we've got an extra zero in there somehow it's 1200 feet tall so but he's like i would rather put out the right information than say oh i can't be wrong it's like the newspaper's printer retraction on page 12 in the bottom left corner of the paper yeah the page in a one by one inch box yeah that has no headline or anything right, like that. Yeah. It's just like a little, by the way. Yeah, by the way, we made up. We erroneously said this person murdered someone when they didn't. You <laughs> yeah. Know, or... yeah, they were actually just snoring loud. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. So every time I go into Hulu, it keeps telling me, oh, watch The Last Winter. You're going to love it. Watch The Last Winter. You're going to love it. It's a it's a sci-fi horror type flick with Ron Perlman. It takes place in the remote tundra of Alaska at some research facility. Sounds good so far. 2007 it came out. and Doesn't sound so good now. Sounds like, all right, let's check it out finally. So I started watching it. That's never good. God awful terrible. (laughs) I didn't finish it, nor do I plan on finishing it. It's stupid. I I read the Wikipedia entry on it. It tells you everything that happened. I went, that doesn't make any sense at all. So I went and read it on IMDb, and I went, that doesn't make any sense at all. That's just stupid. So don't waste your time. 
It's like a glitter box movie. <laughs> um, so I did watch Alien Covenant. Okay. And to me, when I think of the Alien movie, I think of the aliens. Yes. So, like, in the first movie, you know, Alien, we get the one alien that's hunting everyone, Ripley's ship. All suspenseful. Yep. Horror movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, a legit yeah, horror movie. Yeah. Not, like a, not like a Friday the 13th, but like right. a psychological, scary... The thing, kind of. Exactly. And then we have Alien 2, where Ripley goes back, and there's the alien creature again on the spaceship. And this time, there's lots of them. Yeah. Aliens? Yeah, aliens, yes. Yeah, that's the one where they went down to the planet's surface, and you had the Marines, and there was, like, tons of them overriding. But still, there are the alien creatures. Lots of them. And then we have, uh, what? Uh, Alien Cubed? uh, They're on the prison. Yep. And then for, alien, for the weird things, yeah. it was like people. It was like males that had XXY chromosomes. Yeah, or something, something like that. With yeah. the rock was in it. Yep. Not like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, yep. but no. ROC Rock. Yep. Uh, and then the fourth one, I don't remember. Alien Resurrection, where they actually like created a cloned version of Sigourney Weaver. Okay, that was the clone rip. But, but she was like spliced with the queen aliens DNA yes. or something. Yes, yes. When Ona Ryder was in it, and yes. we didn't know she was an android, but then she was. Right. And, um, so, but the, still, it's on a spaceship. It's yeah. you know, it's it's the pattern of the movie. Then you have the two Alien vs Predator movies, which I think are excellent. Yeah, I like them both. Yeah. One's on; they're both on Earth. One's in the Arctic, and the other's like in a town. But still, it's an alien movie. It's the alien you're familiar with. Yeah. Then we got Prometheus. The Xenomorph is its official name. Xenomorph, correct? Yeah. Then we got Prometheus, which was <laughs> the prequel, yeah. and at the it, you don't know it has anything to do with an alien, essentially. Aliens. It's at the end where one bursts out of one of the blue monster people. Well, I mean, technically... We see facehuggers earlier. And yeah, the egg kind of chamber kind of thing. It's not quite the same. No, 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 it's not. So then we have Alien Covenant. <clears throat> which is supposed to take place right after Prometheus. It takes place after Prometheus, prior to Alien. And to me, I'm like, oh, okay. It's called Alien the trailer is you see the alien. It just says, I mean, the, the poster, you just see like the aliens kind of outline of its face looking at you and it says run. So the aliens that come hunting you, um, this should have just been called Prometheus too. And that's what I was worried about because essentially that's what it is. It's another grit ship, other colonists. There's an accident on the ship. They have, uh, they have to wake people to wake the crew up out of, out of, uh, cryogenic sleep. James Franco is the captain of the ship, but he's burned alive and burned to death, trapped inside his cryopod because of the accident when a sun, a star, star solar flare came out and hit the ship type of thing. And, but you see him like in pictures and in like flashback videos of she's watching because she's sad. The do do you see him burn alive? Like, is it real good James Franco over the top acting? I, I, you know what? I didn't even recognize him in there. Oh. Yeah. Never mind. So anyways, um, and then they find this, they find the planet that David and, and Nui Rumpitz's character Shaw from, from Prometheus landed on the home world of these people, creatures that they went and destroyed and killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they find that planet basically, and they're like, "Oh, geez, why wasn't on the star map? Why can't? Why didn't we know this was here for a reason? Probably." Right. So they go there, and essentially, like they land on the planet. the The, uh, the primary crew, the boarding crew, whatever, the landing crew, go down, land on the planet. Uh, they like come across these little, like almost like remember the, the like the puff mushrooms. 
on the ground that like, like a ball and you break it open. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they yeah. kind of come across those and like they breathe in the spores. A couple of the people do. And then like an alien bursts out of their back. But it's not quite the same as a xenomorph. It's like a different version. But there's no face hugger. There's nothing. There's just that. And a couple it's of the, a spore creature. Yeah, yeah. And a couple of the couple of the crew get killed that way. And then David shows up and saves them and brings them back to where he's hiding out. And essentially, the long and the short of it is this. Uh, on the beginning of the movie, you see David's creator. And it's, it's, it's Michael Wheeling. Fassbender playing the creator. The, the androids are made in his likeness. And then you see, I think I'm just going to call him Walter. It's the one that's on this ship. So it looks like David. It's, it's Michael Fassbender. But he's programmed differently. He can't. David was given all these, like, feelings. Human qualities. And now the new ones don't have those. So, but we meet David and we see the interaction between him and I'm going to say Walter. I don't remember. That's fine. And everybody else. And basically, the long and the short of it is this. Is we discovered that the xenomorph as we know them from Alien on was created by David from him crossbreeding the aliens on the planet with the Shaw's remains after she died. And like, so he created them as we know them today. He, he's their, he's their crea- creator. And it's like cross, he crossbred multiple different creatures and this and that or whatever to finally get the alien that we know that, At the end of the movie, when they think David's dead and on and on and on, they go back on the ship and they go back in the cryogenics. Then there's like 2,000 uh, um, colonists and then the crew. And now they're going back into the cryogenic sheet for the se- sleep for the seven-year journey to the plant they were heading to beginning initially. And then right before the crew lady goes out, she realizes that that's not Walter. That's David. It's the bad guy. And he, like, regurgitates two alien embryos that he puts in the embryo storage. And then that's the end of it. So it should just be called Prometheus 2, still wicked shitty, doesn't deserve to be called alien. Yeah. Was anybody, and this is a legit question, was anybody out there legitimately looking for an origin story for the aliens? Like... Has anybody said, I really need to know where these things come from? Because I know I wasn't. I love the fact. It's like, and I'm going to tie this in here. It's like hearing that Martin Scorsese is doing a Joker origin story. Yeah, with the minor news, uh, frontrunner Leonardo DiCaprio. The Joker should not have an origin story. Nope. Just like the Xenomorph should not have an origin story. Like like you said the last Predators week. The Predators should not have an origin story. Like you said last week in like, The Dark Knight. Yeah. The fact that every time he talked about how he got his scars, he told us multiple different stories yeah. was phenomenal. Yeah. We, we should not have – certain villains especially should not have origin stories. Now, you want to say, oh, well, look at Vader. We got his origin story. We did. Um, the first part of it really sucked. Yeah. But, yeah, that's fine because he had to have an origin story in order to understand the conflict with Luke and yeah. Leia and stuff like that. That's fine. The Xenomorphs, the Predators, the the Joker, they don't need an origin story. In fact, an origin story humanizes all of them, yep. and it makes them less menacing. You know, to find out that the Xenomorphs were created by an android makes them less powerful in my book. Yeah, there there's different, like, and, and essentially you see different versions of them through the movie. 
either through embryos or like the, the pod ones we saw at the beginning or whatever, you know? So anyways, I don't know. Garbage. Yep. Um, you got a movie? I do. I, I'm, I'm still reeling from this. So All right, I'll keep uh, going. I watch. I rewatched Jackie Brown. Okay. Uh, Quentin Tarantino flick. I, you know, some people don't like him. I'm a big fan of his movies. I like, I just like his style. I like how every movie that he does is an homage to a different genre, a different style of movie that he loved growing up. Jackie Brown's uh, takeoff of the black, black exploitation flicks. Yep. What's unique about this is that this is the only movie to date that Quentin Tarantino has done based on someone else's work. Everything he's done has been original work. <laughs> this was based on, uh, uh, Elward Leonard. Yeah. Novel rum punch who also wrote, um, uh, justified. Yep. Essentially, he created, uh, I'm not Wailing Jennings, but you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, yeah, from Justified. He Timothy Olyphant's character. Timothy Olyphant's character, yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, and what's funny is that this movie had a lot of influence from the black exploitation flicks Foxy Brown and Coffee, who was, Pam Greer was the star of those in the Raylan. 70s. Huh? Raylan. Raylan. Yeah. And now Pam Greer is the star of Jackie Brown. So, I don't know, it's just a fun flick. Hmm. And I really, really enjoyed it. And if you haven't watched it yet, just take take some time and watch it. It's on Netflix. It's it's long, but it's good. It's got a great cast. I mean, you got Samuel L. Jackson, Pam Greer, um, uh, Robert De Niro, he's a William Forster, William Foster, whatever the guy's name is. I can't think of it now. Um, Bridget Fonda's in it. It's a good flick. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I'll agree with you there. And that led to me watching Foxy Brown. <laughs> Which I'm also, there's a, a coffee is on stars, so I plan on watching that soon, but I watched Foxy Brown. And this is a, it came out in 1974, and essentially Pam Greer's character is, uh, she's a mad, mad woman who is wronged when the, the, the bad guys kill her man, and she's out for revenge. Gotta love a good revenge flick. It is, it's basically long short, it's a revenge flick, and there's a lot of stereotypes in this movie. There's a lot of, I don't know if you could get away with some of the things they say in the movie. They use the N-word a lot, mm-hmm. white people and black people. Uh, every racial slur to talk about a black person they use in this movie. Um, I'm going to repeat one. I don't offend anyone, but it's hilarious to me where they're going to give her some drugs and they call her a big floppy titty jigaboo. Like, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. I was just like, oh my god! Like, I couldn't believe it. I've never wow. heard that in a movie before, honestly. Right. Um, but yeah, like they use every racial slur, and, and I was just, I was surprised. I wasn't offended. I was just surprised. Right. And I thought I was just like, oh my god! Like they couldn't get away with this today. Exactly. It's a different time. Period. You know what I mean? And, you know, I wanted to look it up. I don't even know if the writer director, the guy named Jack Hill, I don't know if he's a white guy or black guy or whatever he is. I know he discovered her. She was working as a job. Again, I was read. I've read up on it, and I had read her book in the past, and I forgot. But anyways, Pam Greer was discovered because she got a job working as a secretary at this motion picture company, and this director put her in his movie. Uh, one, she was in like those women behind bars movies that they yeah. did, like a lot of those. Like I think it was the Big Bird Cage. Okay. So we put her in that movie, and then he started putting her some other stuff, and then he put her in Coffee, and then foxy brown and then i think it's like uh lady sheba or something like that and then there's like friday foster and a few others and it's almost like quentin tarantino commented that uh, pam Greer is like the first like woman action star in cinema mm. 
And there's a there's a fight scene at a lesbian bar that is awesome <laughs> uh, for the times, especially. Right. And I don't know. I really just enjoyed the movie. Like, nice. it's, I thought it was, it's 43, 43 years old, right? I thought you were going to say 43 minutes. I'm like, well, no, 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 no. It's, it's right. 43 years old. There's some gratuitous nudity. There's violence. There's drug use. There's there's it's. Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, it's it's great. I actually really, really enjoyed it. And this is an interesting way with which I watched it. Um, through the Gardner Public Library, if you go online, you have access to something called Hoopla Digital. Okay. And they don't have a Roku channel, so I watched it on my laptop, but I plugged it into my TV. But they have apps for Android and iPhone and Chromecast and everything and Kindles. And if you have a, a membership to your library, you can go on there, and it's digital. And there's movies, soundtracks audiobooks or comic books, digital comics, or even just digital books or whatever. And you can borrow up to five things a month for free. Wow. And like for the movies, you get them, you get them for like 72 hours. You have 72 hours to enjoy them as many times as you want. So that's how I watched Foxy Brown. Hmm. And it's not edited. It's no commercials. It's no anything. And I have four more things this month I can watch. So <laughs> no, I just thought that was kind of neat. That's so cool. if, if you have a local library that you're a member of, Check it out. It's a way to – it's like if you think about it, with video stores being gone, there's no way to watch old movies anymore. If it's not on Stars or Netflix or Hulu or any subscription service, or you, can't, or you don't want to spend 3 bucks to rent it or 5 bucks to buy it through Amazon or whatever, right. or you don't want to buy the DVD online for a few bucks on eBay and wait for it to show up or whatever it is. Right, right. There's no video store to get anything anymore. It's true. Yeah. So especially the old catalog movies. So – this is a way, a uh, nice budget way, to check it out. So, I don't know. I thought it was cool. Nice. You ready to talk about your flick? I am. Cool. And I was surprised because I was pretty sure when I told you about this flick that you'd be like, oh, yeah, I saw that. Um, I, see, I don't remember seeing it or not. It doesn't ring a bell. It, it's a 2015 movie. It just showed up for me on uh, Showtime, which I now have. And it's called, literally, this is the title. The death of Superman lives, colon, what happened, question mark. I feel like I must have seen the trailer or heard about it because it sounds familiar. It's a documentary. Yep. I didn't recognize the documentarian, but okay. forgive me because I don't watch a lot of documentaries. I did notice that one of the consulting credits was for Morgan Spurlock. Okay. But it was like there were like 20 names listed there. Was it like Butterfly Productions or something like that? Was it like one of the logos remember. of the Butterfly? I don't okay. think so. That's Morgan Spurlock's company. No, yeah. no. I think he was just a consultant, probably okay. because he does a lot of documentaries. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. Yep. So this – now, I've said this in the past, and I'm going to say it again here because it, it needs to be said. Documentaries are designed by the person who shot them to educate you the way that they want you to think. Doesn't make them bad. No, it no, it doesn't. I'm <laughs> just saying that, like the information that you get right. in there. If somebody put together a documentary that said Trump is evil, yeah. you would only see stuff. Absolutely, yes. And if somebody put together a documentary that said this is how Trump's saving us, yeah. that's all you would say. Basically, documentary should be a non-biased type of thing. They but should they're not. They're compl- they, a lot of them are completely biased. This one was biased. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this gentleman really liked the idea of Superman Lives. He really wanted to see it made. Um, some of the interviews were a little, like, you could tell that he did some creative editing. Uh, you could tell that some of the people, like, he cherry-picked their comments mm-hmm. because 
some of them just didn't like the other people that they were working with. And they'd kind of dance around it because they knew that he was going to be interviewing the people that they didn't like. Yeah. And so they didn't want like those people to see the movie and be like, Oh, you're a dick. You yeah. hate me. Um, Kevin Smith was in this. I was wondering. Yep. So he had to be. Uh, and John Peters, the, the three that were predominant were Kevin Smith, John Peters, who was the producer and um, Timber. Okay. Some of the information was very boring. You know, yep. they talk about Tim Burton. Uh, Tim Burton didn't like doing Batman. He didn't like it because he didn't like comic book movies. He liked to do his own stuff. Right. But he wanted to do Batman Returns because he had learned so much from the first one that he said, now I want to do my own spin on it. That's why he was no longer invited back to the third one. Um, but they talked about how uh, basically Kevin Smith, we've heard the story. We've heard the hour and a half long story. Yeah. Well, a lot of his interview was interspliced with the documentarian talking to John Peters and saying, this is what Kevin Smith said about you. Is it true? And Peters flat out denied that he ever said no flying and no suit. He's like, oh, that's a lie. That's a lie. I never said that. I never said that. You know, I, I, he's got to have the suit. He's got to fly. You know, that that's the thing. Yeah. Um, it was a very interesting documentary. Hmm. I went into this saying Superman Lives never should have happened, especially with Nicolas Cage. Have you seen the mock-up photos okay. and the costume? They talk about that in this because he got his hands on the mock-up photos and he got his hands on the actual behind-the-scenes where those photos were taken. And like the, the photo that you see most predominantly where he's kind of like got his eyes rolled back in his head, you can actually see where they took that out of context. Like he was standing there doing a pose, looking fine. He's Nicholas Cage. And then like at one point it looked like he was about half ready to sneeze. And he's like, uh, and his eyes rolled up yep. and that's the photo that they spread around. Anyway, I went into this thinking Superman lives should never have happened. Okay. It looked terrible from the beginning. Kevin Smith had said, you know, we saw that thing at evening with Kevin Smith yep. where he said it never should have happened. And I was like, yep, you're right. This guy, presented a lot of arguments for why it should have happened. He presented a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I mean, like actual footage of old, you know, Tim Burton and Nicholas yeah. Cage and the costume designer inside hotel rooms, trying on the suits, talking about it, talking to the guys who built the suits for him. He presented like the story layout, what was going to happen, this, 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 like really good, compelling stuff. I came out of this thinking, thank God this movie never happened because this is garbage. <laughs> So, mission not successful to this guy. <laughs> you like how I sold that one up and then just mean, dropped like, it off? I'm like, going to say they nope. should have made it. Nope. And this guy, you could tell he wanted it made. Like, he's like, this would have been the greatest thing. So, John Peters never denied that he wanted Superman to fight a big fucking spider, as Kevin Smith said. Um, they were going to call it a Thangarian Snare Beast. Now, John Peters... That's, that's what Kevin Smith said he was going to call Well, here's it. the thing. Yeah. John Peters is like, I was going to call it a Thangarian Snare Beast. I just came up with this name. Kevin Smith goes, no, I came up with the name because Thangarian is a tribute to Hawkman's homeworld. Yeah. And Snare Beast was like, what do you call a spider otherwise? He's like, I came up with the name. John Peters is like, no, I came up with the name. I was going to call it this, and it was going to be great. And, and because I'm terrified of spiders, and spiders are, are formidable and blah, blah, blah. You know, let's remember, too, John Peters started his life as a hairdresser. He was Barbara Streisand's hairdresser at one point, and she said, you should be a producer. Most of the people in this documentary did not like John Peters. Yep. Um, they even mentioned in part of it that Tim Burton chose to film Batman in London 
because John Peters was in America and he was trying to avoid him. Tim Burton did not confirm or deny this. Huh. Uh, but you could tell that a lot of people did not like John Peters. They would, uh, the art people yep. would talk about how he would come in with an entourage of his children. He would just bring children into the offices and be like, tell me what you like. And the kids would be like, I like this, I like this. And then he'd be like, make it happen. And when they asked Peters about it in his interview, he's like, well, yeah, because I'm a producer. And, and people have to say that they like my stuff because, you know, I'm paying them. So I bring kids around because kids are honest and that's, they always tell you honest stuff. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Um, he was a bully. He was over the top. Some of the ideas that he was really happy about, he wanted Superman to fight ninjas. Um, they, they wanted, this is where it got really weird. Okay. There's some weird stuff and then it gets weirder. So they wanted when Superman came to earth to have a basic robotic teddy bear named K that was going to be like his mentor and his guardian. And then when doomsday kills Superman in this movie, he was going to wrap himself around Superman and become like a cocoon exoskeleton suit to regenerate Superman. And that's why you see some of those pictures of, like, the, the clear bodysuit type stuff that has, like, neon lights under it. Because this was going to be the regenerative suit that brings Superman back to life. Oh, man. That's weird. Yeah. Then they said, oh, we decided we were going to have K be Jor-El. Like, he uploaded his consciousness into K so that he could teach Superman and, and be a father figure. And then really, like, like present as his father. That's weird. Okay. Yeah, that's very weird. Uh, John Peters said that he really liked the cape and he wanted it to be like a living thing. So that like, you know, if Superman's in a fight, he could like take it off and throw it and it would like grab a hold of somebody and bring them over to him or like, you know, decapitate them. He literally said decapitate them because, you know, that's what Superman's all about. Cutting people's heads off from a distance with his cape. The cape is going to be alive. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's really weird. Yeah, that is. You know what else they wanted to do? And I'm not making this up. Their idea was that Clark Kent is a grown man who in his apartment has a secret room that has all kinds of newspaper clippings where he's trying to figure out why he has this condition. And I thought, what condition? He doesn't know he's an alien until Lex Luthor goes out to the Kent farm area and finds remains of a spaceship. When they're adults. And then Clark Kent realizes, oh, my God, I must be an alien, and goes neurotic from it, even more than he already was, because they wanted him to be a neurotic person. So Clark Kent didn't know that he was an alien, and now he's got to come to grips with the fact that he's an alien. And, and how is he going to do that? You know, here's this person who's really an outsider, and he didn't realize that he was this much of an outsider. That's so stupid. Yep. They wanted Brainiac. Dress enough. How stupid that is. I couldn't believe it. They had concept art of Lex Luthor in his Lex Luthor Tower, which was going to be a giant building that mirrored the Daily Planet. And in the lobby was a pedestal with the little sphere that Clark came down in. Yep. Um, they had decided that they wanted Brainiac to be in it. Great. Brainiac's great. Uh, they wanted Brainiac to be in it as a spider thing. Again, with the spider thing. He was... Th th Think Mars attacks. Yep. So he was the big head with like a fishbowl around it, yep. with a cloak, and then in the in the third act, when the cloak comes off, there's spider legs, and then he can spit out little spiders. Oh, good lord! 
So this was all the bad ideas. And this guy thought this was a great movie? Oh, yeah. Be a great movie? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, now that I look back on it, I would have loved this movie. You know, seeing Nicolas Cage, like, joking about Superman and saying, you know, what a weirdo he was and let's make him more neurotic and why does he always get the underwear on the outside? It's ridiculous. I never understood that. What is he, stupid? And him and Tim Burton laughing about it, you know, oh, what a loser. Oh dressing him up in like a Mickey Mouse shirt and then a light blue suit coat because, you know, he's that crazy in the head. He doesn't know how to fit into real world. But that was, that was just the story ideas. So then there was all the production problems where essentially they went through, Oh, they, they had a um, skull ship. So, so when Krypton exploded, a giant floating skull came out of it and was now orbiting the earth. And this is where Brainiac was. And it's the menagerie where all the monsters are. You know, all the different alien species that they brought from Krypton that they're now – Brainiac is unleashing on Earth for Superman to fight because he wants to take over. Lord. Yep. Um, oh, and they really wanted Lex Luthor and Brainiac to merge. And they had all these concept arts of them having two heads, like like literally spinning around, and now it's Brainiac, and now it's Lex, and now it's Brainiac, and now it's Lex. They thought this was going to be great. This was going to be an awesome way to do things. Having two of Superman's villains merge together to form one supervillain. Don't know. Um, they they tried to stress stupid. Yeah, they tried to stress that that weird blue suit with the lights that I was talking about, dude. That was only in like two minutes of the movie when we see the sequence of him like regenerating. Everyone got it so blown out of proportion. No, it's ridiculous. Um, John Peters was watching the death and funeral procession of Princess Diana and called them up and said, I want this in the movie. I want you to mimic this in Superman. Or Superman? Yeah. Yeah, that was was the thing. He wanted it to be just like Princess Di's funeral. And not like, you know, the level of it. He wanted it to be just like it. Everything to be the same thing. Because he saw it on TV and it was awesome. Um, okay. So this was the year that they were going to come out with this. Yeah. This is what Warner brothers had brought to the table that had phenomenally flopped. This was just a few of the movies. And this was a fun part because they kept showing the box art. And I'm like, I remember that. I remember that. And then like what it cost and what it flopped at the box office. See if you remember some of these gems, um, Batman and Robin mad city. Yeah, yeah. Sphere. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. The Postman. Oh, Kevin Costner. Yeah. I think he delivers mail. Yeah. Or, or as we called it, Dirt World, because Waterworld. Dirt World, yeah. yeah. Tarzan and the Lost City. Oh, that was terrible. 187. Oh, that, that was, yeah. yeah. Samuel Jackson, but still. Yeah. yeah. And there were a lot more like that that would cost them like $100 million, and it made like $15 million at the box office. <laughs> It was consistently week after week. Warner Brothers was flopping at the box office. So they pulled the plug. They said, we don't trust this. We don't trust your vision. We don't trust any of this stuff. Because it sounds absolutely horrible. Yeah. And back then, it wasn't the comic book renaissance that we're going through right now. Oh, God, no. So, you know, they had had Batman. They had Batman Returns. Those both did well. Then they had Batman and Raw. No. What was the one with the Joker, uh, uh, the Riddler, and Tommy Lee Jones? Batman Forever. Batman Forever, yeah. And then that flopped. And then Batman and Robin, which right. was just abysmal. Yeah. And so they were like, no, we're pulling the plug. And this guy's like, I think it would have been great. 
I would have loved to have seen this. This guy doesn't sound very bright. Nope. So I do encourage people to go and watch it. it it's painful to watch, but it's good to have knowledge, like we were talking about earlier. I, I think that you would enjoy it, knowing how much you enjoy um, documentaries. And I mean, yeah, Superman. I'll probably check it out yeah. so I could see the atrocities for myself. Yeah, but just the, the cape thing. I sat there and I was like, are you serious? He wanted the cape to be its own living thing and decapitate people. Yeah, that seems a bit wrong. Yep. Seems a bit wrong. Oh, and Superman doesn't know he's an alien. Just never figured that out in his, you know, 30-plus years of life on this planet. What did his parents tell him? That he was just adopted? Yeah, that's really dumb, too. It's ridiculously dumb. He's trying to figure out why he has this condition. Why am I invulnerable and can fly? Oh, and they didn't want him to fly. Because they always thought that was ridiculous, this magical flight thing. Tim Burton said this as well. It's ridiculous, just being able to float in air and fly around. No, he can jump. He can jump really far, yep. but that's it. He, he can't fly. That's ridiculous. No, We're not having he that. He can fly. Yeah. Yeah, he can. He can fly. Yeah. So, again, Stupid. I came out of it saying I'm glad this movie didn't get made. I really did enjoy watching this documentary, though, and, and saying, wow, I can't believe – what a bullet we dodged. Some alternate reality out there. This movie got made. God, that sounds horrible. <laughs> sounds like a horrible proposition for somebody. People are always like, oh, what about an alternate reality where the South won or where, you know, Hitler succeeded? No, there's an alternate reality out there where this movie got made. And this, this kicked off the superhero revolution. Whew. <laughs> anyway, it's not a revolution I want to be a part of. Nope. So, remember last week, early before you came over, and we couldn't decide what kind of movie we wanted to watch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, one of the movies that I didn't think you'd care about, but that I figured Kate would like, was Wild Oats. Yes. We watched it. Okay. Jessica Lang, Shirley MacLaine. Um, so, it's basically about a movie who, one woman, her husband dies. It's on Netflix. So I think it's a Netflix original. Maybe it's not. One woman, her husband dies. Okay. And the insurance company accidentally sent her $5 million instead of 50000 <laughs> Her friend is believed to have some sort of terminal disease, but it's not. It's only spoken of vaguely. Okay. And her husband just left her for like a 25-year-old. So they end up going to South America. Okay. And basically, they're just going to go piss the money away. And the insurance company like sends their top investigator guy who's got 38 years of experience on to go down to try and get her to come back because if he fails and can't get the money back then you know he'll probably be fired but he's been at 38 years he's due to go anyway so that way the his boss won't get in trouble basically so this is the so essentially they're down there they run into a con artist of course money is scammed the investigator shows up it's you know possibly love at first sight with one of the ladies Blah, blah, blah. It's actually a fun little movie, but this is the thing that stood out the most to me in it. The movie has, and I don't have the actor's name in front of me, I meant to write it in my notes and I forgot, but basically the movie stars, um, it's the only movie I can think of, or if I've ever seen or heard of, that has both the teachers from the head of the class in it. As main characters. Oh, nice. That's the first thing that popped my mind. Like, hey, that's the original teacher of Head of the Class. Hey, that's Billy Conley, the replacement <laughs> teacher for Mr. Mortar on Head of the Class. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, so I had both of the Head of the Class teachers in it as, nice. as potential uh, leading man characters for the Shirley MacLaine character. So nice. I thought that was hilarious. That is hilarious. But it was actually a fun little movie. It's like an hour and a half. Debbie Moore's in it. 
as the daughter, and she looks old as shit. <laughs> and she is like a secondary backup role, so it's like, why is she even in this? Right? Why they why they paid Debbie more money to be in this? <laughs> Unless she took a massive pay cut or did it for free, or was like, shit, I'm desperate. It was probably after Ashton broke up with her. Oh yeah, it's a newer movie, so yeah. yeah. So she was but, probably like, oh, I need to act. But anyway, so yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, and uh, I enjoyed it. So. That's cool. Trailers, getting trailers. Just one that I cared about because I wrote down one, and I don't even remember much of it. Yep. It's called Dead Again in Tombstone, and I know oh. it has Danny Trejo and um, Jake Busey. Ooh, is is it a western? Yep. Oh. Yep. But it looks like an over the top ridiculous western. Nice. Yeah, Danny Trejo and Jake Busey. I was like, I gotta write this down. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yep. Um, I watched a trailer called um the jackals okay it's the director who directed the last saw movie not the oh. one that's coming up up here jigsaw in october but the last the final chapter allegedly gotcha. it's set in the 1980s and a strange family hires a cult deprogrammer to take back their teenage son from a murderous cult but they find themselves under siege when the cultists surround their cabin demanding the boy back so there you go looks solid cult of the jackals yep uh, one's called Brawl in Cell Block 99. stars Vince Vaughn. I saw the title pop up, yeah. but I didn't see the trailer. So this is the synopsis they have on IMDb. A former boxer turned drug runner lands in prison battleground after a deal gets deadly. And essentially from what I gather from watching the trailer, it's just Vince Vaughn kicking the shit out of people. <laughs> he never gets a chance to do that, you know? And, it's, and he plays a badass, not like the funny comical badass that annoys the piss out of you when yeah. he's talking or like he uses smarts and stuff. No, no, he just, he just beats people up. I don't remember the last and time I'm I saw sure him he gets out of that. prison at one point and there's, um, he's got a daughter or something that he's got to rekindle, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It looks kind of solid. I saw a trailer called, um, hold on, Blade of the Immortal. Hmm. It's a uh, manji. Okay. A highly skilled samurai becomes cursed from immortality after a legendary battle. Haunted by the brutal murder of his sister, manji knows that only fighting evil will regain his soul. He promises to help a young girl named Rin avenge her parents who are killed by a group of master swordsmen led by a ruthless warrior. The mission makes manji in ways will change Manji in ways you can never imagine. This is the 100th film of master director uh, Takashi Meek or Mike or whatever, M-I-I-K-E. Okay. Um, the trailer looks so bad. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. The trailer's great. <laughs> great action sequences. It takes place like, you know, it says, well, it doesn't say it, but it takes place like in the Wushu times. It just it looks stunning. It looks amazing. It looks awesome. It just, the action looks phenomenal. I, um, I'm very excited about it. Nice. Yeah. And then the last trailer I saw is a comedy, and I feel like it has the potential to be right up there with Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Whoa. Whoa. It, it, yeah, I know. I know. I know. It's called Literally Right Before Adam. And it's a young man attends the wedding of his ex-girlfriend. And essentially, Justin Long and Kobe Smulders were boyfriend and girlfriend for years. Okay. They broke up. And like a year after they break up, she's getting married to this guy. Uh, and essentially she calls him up to invite him to the wedding and he, he goes, he says, yeah, I'll go, I'll be there. But he's still in love with her, obviously. He's like, yeah, I'll be there. But and it's just, you know, a comedy of awkward scenarios where it's like, like, well, who, you know, like the basically, you know, 
Aaron is the guy she's marrying, and Justin Long's character was literally the guy he was seeing right before Aaron. Gotcha. That's where the title comes from. So it looks it looks it looks really good. Nice. Yeah, check the I'll trailer. Check out. that trailer. Yeah, out. it looks pretty badass. I did see one other trailer. Yeah, and it really excited me in ways that I can't even begin to describe. Really. But that's only because I love it so much. It was for the third season of Mr. Robot. I watched it as well. Oh, Yeah, I'm excited for October. I cannot wait yeah, for that. I'm excited for October. I, I miss that show. It looks great. It does. It looks great. It looks darker, more twisted. Somehow Christian Slater's character is still there. And, and we definitely, like, the whole like, last like, season. prominent role? Yeah. And, and the whole last season, we kept wondering if What's-His-Name was alive. Yeah. And it looks like he's in a lot of this trailer. Yeah. So, I don't know. It looks pretty badass. It does. Um, I watched a couple other trailers, but crap I don't care about. Cool. Um, but I do have another movie I want to talk about. Go for it. Do you have anything else you want to address? Um, just a fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know, and you might have actually known this, um, the whole reason that Night of the Living Dead is so popular? Because when Night of the Living Dead first came out, the original title was Night of the Flesh Eaters. Yes. They wanted to make it more popular, uh, more palatable. Yeah. So they changed the title to Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Well, when they did that, they changed the title card on the film reel. Yeah. And they forgot to put the copyright symbol on it. Yes. And as a result, it became public domain the moment it was aired. Yep. And that's why everyone and their brother airs it all the time. Yes, because it's yes, I remember that. Yeah, I love that. I, I didn't know if popular people liked it or popular as in why it's like on every free streaming everything, right. free movies, free, 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 free. Yep. Because yeah, any they channel, forgot, they forgot to any stream movie market. street. Yep. yep, they can all stream it. Um, I watched Death Note on Netflix. Okay, let's hear about this. So. I don't know how spoilery I'm going to get, folks, so this is the last thing we're talking about, so if you don't want to hear about it, go ahead, thanks for listening, we'll talk to you next week type of thing. You know our Facebooks and our Twitters and whatnot. Yep. And for those that maybe want to hear some spoilers, I don't know how vague I'm going to be, depends on how John feels. But basically, you know what it's about, the yep. synopsis, guy finds, kid finds a notebook, there's a, uh, a demon, devil, death god that basically says... Willem Dafoe. Who Dude, really didn't oh, need makeup. Oh, my God. First of all, it's a completely CGI character. Right. So he's just doing the voice of him. And he is amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. Because his voice is his voice. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, oh my actually, God. one of the other trailers I watched that I didn't I didn't care about talking about, William, Willem Dafoe's in it. And he's playing, like, a uh, nice guy neighbor, loves this little girl type of thing who's not his, helping out druggy mom. Yeah. So it's a complete different role for him, <laughs> but it's still the same voice. Right. So it's funny. Anyways, <laughs> so essentially this kid finds this notebook, and he the, the death god comes to him, and there's a bunch of rules, and they give the gist of it, which is the death god brought him the notebook because he suffered some sort of trauma. So write a name in it and how they're going to die. And I'll do it. And then you just set the notebook someplace, and after you've ignored it for seven days, I'll get it to somebody else. That's all he's got to do. But, of course, he doesn't do that. So, anyways, but this is my problem. You can tell that from the trailer. Oh, yeah. So, this is my problem with it. Okay? And don't say whitewashing, please. No. Okay, good. I don't know. I knew you wouldn't, but. It's the kid is in detention and he gets the book, and basically the room kind of explodes upon itself. And then the guy reveals himself, and almost immediately he writes the name in the book. Not because he's afraid, but because he doesn't believe this 
mystical creature that just before him <laughs> came before him. So when he, you know, he he writes it in there and it happens, like instead of being like, holy shit, he's more like, all right, cool. Let's do another name. It's like he's just way too accepting of this too quickly. Gotcha. You know, we don't get the typical like, I can't, what are you? I can't believe this or running away or anything. Then when the girl he likes, like he kind of, and I don't even know how it came about, but like he's like, hey, you want to hear something? And he reveals it to her. And she's way too, oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. Like, oh, okay, I'm on board. It's, it's really weird. Like, I know it's based on a manga. It is, but these two, these characters are just way too accepting of this, this happening. Like, oh, okay, this is no big deal. <laughs> like, and I know he proves to her, like, how, like, yeah, see, it's real. So, I bet by writing a name in it. Correct. Yep. But she's just like, oh, cool. But then she kind of gets power hungry with it. And then, like, his dad is investigating it. And then this investigator we meet, it's a weird character from, like, Japan, but he's a black guy. And from childhood, he's been raised to be this unbelievable investigator. And he has all these weird neurotic quirks and this and that and everything. And just, yeah. So the big thing about killing someone is you have to know the person's name and you have to know what they look like. And when you write their name down, you have to be thinking about them while you write their name down. Okay. And this investigator doesn't know this. He doesn't know how it's happening. He has no idea how it's happening. And yet they make it a point that he's so weird and whatever. Even when he goes on TV, he hides his face and his name is just L. And no one knows what his real birth name is. But yet he has no idea about like, so to me, I'm thinking like, oh, he knows about the death note. Mm. And that's why he's doing this because no one can think of him because they don't know what he looks like. And no one knows his real name because he only goes by L. Makes sense. But no, that has nothing to do with that's just happenstance. That's a coincidence. Again, I'm gonna say manga. So it's just it's really weird. Now ultimately, like I didn't hate the movie. Mm-hmm. It crammed a whole ton of movie into a hour and a half movie, whole ton of stuff. If anything, this should have been a six episode series. <laughs> Or an eight-episode miniseries type thing. I kind of thought that's what they were going to yeah. do with it. This should have been more of like a television show than like a movie. And they still could have told the same story and, and, and not even really it – would, they would have dragged it out. It would have made, they could have made it more logical. And, of course, the ending is very ambi- uh, you know, ambiguous. So no matter what, they leave you kind of like, oh, I wonder what happened. But they totally could do a sequel no matter what. And maybe that was the point. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Like, again, I didn't hate it. Yep. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. Probably I might. The description but... of it kind of reminds me of the Twilight Zone with the box. Yes. Here's a button. You press it. Somebody else will die. But the way you described it in the beginning, the rules are you write somebody's name in it. You put it down. Yeah. Don't think about it for seven days. Is it that you get to write as many names as you want? Because it sounds like this kid's kind of abusing it. No, essentially, yeah, you can. It's once you're, do- once you're done with it, you either physically hand it to someone else and say the book is now yours and they take possession of it or you just stick it behind the washing machine forget all about it and then after this been sat there seven days unused then the death god can, can then deliver it to somebody else hmm. I may check it out at some point no definitely you should definitely watch it I mean again it's not a bad movie you're just like 
Well, that was handy. Oh, well, he was thinking ahead. Oh, of course. Of course. You know what I mean? So, again, I didn't hate it. I mean, I sat down and watched the whole thing. It's just, this is a few weak moments, weak, weak, weak moments. And we're like, they're just too, way too accepting of the reality that's in front of them. When it's a fantasy supernatural reality that's in front of them, they're way too accepting of it. It's not like they can't accept, oh, my mom's dead. This is sad. It's, right. Oh, there's a death god who's appeared before me, and he's given me a magic book that if I write someone's name in it and how they die, they're going to die. Cool. Yeah. 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 I'm just waiting for that lint roller to get stuck on her tail. It's probably could, you know, get off the table. You don't belong on the table. My cat's vying for my attention. Because, <laughs> you know, attacking my feet and me patting it for half an hour before you got here wasn't enough. So anyhow, yeah. Yeah. I want to look up. Uh, I've, I've heard a lot of great things about Little Evil, so I'll probably check that out. Yes, sometime this I'm week. definitely checking that out. So, but yeah, that's it for me. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm good. That's it for me. Cool. Uh, thanks for listening. You can check us out on the uh, the old Facebook at What Did You Watch? The Twitter's at What Did You Watch? And on Twitter, I'm at Superstar ML. And I'm at the Quantum Geek G33K. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next week.